Hello, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud with It's Mercedes, the consistently inconsistent podcast where I, your host, Mercedes, think out loud and do my best to process current events and culture. If you want to join the conversation and access exclusive content, join the community at itsmercedes.locals.com. Let's get into it. Hey, it's Mercedes, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have uh, an interesting topic of conversation, uh, just a thought process. I want to talk about the idea of internalized misogyny. What is it? What does that mean? Who actually suffers from internalized misogyny? Um, and before I do that, if you can go ahead and hit like, maybe subscribe, hit that notification bell so you are notified of new episodes, I'd really appreciate it. And also so we can stay in touch, make sure that you join my email list. The link is in the description below. Okay, so let's talk about internalized misogyny because this is something that I have been accused of on several occasions, especially if I ever mention how I enjoy taking care of my home, making a meal for my husband. Um, a lot of times it'll be followed up with a question of what does he do for me or does he ever do anything like that, sort of accusing or insinuating that maybe he is inept or lazy, for example. And inevitably I'll also be accused of perpetuating the patriarchy by choosing to do that, or it's only because I suffer from internalized misogyny. My favorite is when someone gives me a patronizing pat on top of my head and tells me that it is okay that I happen to suffer from this internalized misogyny because in actuality, we all do. And it's a result of an unconscious bias because it is ingrained in our society because we live in a world built by men for men, which results in a society that is oppressive to women, even today in 2022. But what is important is that now I know that I suffer from this internalized misogyny and that I work towards dismantling it and undoing it that I actively continue uh, doing the work of deconstructing the patriarchal systems that are in our society that lead to the impression of women. It's just like how I discussed in the last episode, except in this situation, we are taking out the word racism and we are inserting misogyny because essentially all of these ideologies run the same playbook. They just swap out terms. It's also patronizing the assumption that if I do not agree with your perception of the world, it's because I am ignorant. Never are women such as myself given the benefit of the doubt that perhaps we are confident in where we are in our life and our place in the world. And therefore, we don't feel this need to participate in what I would call the oppression Olympics, you know, a, a, a hierarchy of oppression. When I do get those type of comments, you know, the comments of in educating me on my internalized misogyny, really all I want to do is respond with internalize this, if you know what I mean. But before I go off on a rant, because I, I feel one kind of bubbling to the surface, let me stick to the script and continue on. The idea for this episode came to me after I saw a video while I was surfing and scrolling the Twitters one evening like I do, instead of doing something a little bit more productive. And it was a video of the philosopher Peter Bogoshan. Um, he is one of the three academics that took part in the grievance studies or the uh, so-called squared affair 
or a scandal, depending on who you talk to. And he asked a molecular biologist why she thinks that trans women should not be legally treated as women. And her response was, quote, being male or being female is a developmental process. You can't change your sex. But then she goes and she says something that really struck me. And I'll go ahead and play the full clip for you now. Trans women should be legally treated as women. Tell me why you're strongly disagreeing. Because I'm a molecular geneticist. Well, I'm not even sure. I'm, everybody else is clapping. Okay, so tell me, tell me what that because I'm not a. I know I count on my fingers. I know nothing about genes. Being male or being female is a developmental process. You can't go backwards. Okay. So you can't change your sex. Like you cannot do that. And the truth is that currently in California prisons and prisons in other parts of the country, women are getting impregnated by other women. And there's just no way that I mean, this is against the UN. I, when after World War II, there was like a, I don't remember what body came up with this um, statue, but it was against, I, I believe it was the Hague, you cannot house female prisoners with male prisoners because they get raped. And that's happening today. And it's not in the news. It's not in the common news. Okay. But I know about it. So so that's the argument. For, so you're, I just want to make sure I'm clear about this. So your argument is because you have domain-specific expertise as a molecular geneticist and then the legal component of that is you're grounding that in your experience of what a man is and what a woman is. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I just, this bothers me so much. Well, that's why we're talking about it. I, yeah, I know. I just, my heart pounds and I just, you know, I go to the women's, I go to the women's changing room at my gym and there's a dude in there. He's putting on makeup and hoop earrings. And this is not something a woman does when she goes to work out. And it's uh, yeah. what am I going to do? Well, so I know nothing about what happens in women's rooms. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the behavior is not common in women's rooms. No, nor do women beat each other to death, but men do. You know, and it's just it's so sad that. Women have internalized misogyny to the point where the man's comfort is takes precedence over the woman's safety. There's a reason why they don't want to be in men's prisons, because men beat each other to death. Women don't do that. I want to focus in on that last part, because that's the part that really got to me. And it's when she said, women have internalized misogyny to the point where the man's comfort take precedence over the women's safety. This to me really took me aback. And I found it to be a perfect explanation for what is currently happening in the implementation of gender theory that we're seeing that is just continuously increasing in our culture. Now, I don't know this molecular biologist personally. I don't know if we would see eye to eye on every issue. And she may not even agree with a lot of the points or assessments I'm going to be making in this episode. But we can surely find common ground in the fact that gender theory or gender ideology is proliferating at the expense of women. And I'm going to break this all down into tiny little packages, little bits and pieces, and then we're going to put it all together and tie a little bow on top. Um, just because I think it would be cute and 
easy to digest this way. So the question is, what is misogyny? You might be thinking, Mercedes, I know what misogyny is. I don't need you to tell me what misogyny is. But for the purposes of thoroughness and, you know, I don't know, to humor me, let's just go ahead and define what misogyny is. I will be pulling the definition from the dictionary of Merriam-Webster, or what I like to call the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of Woke. Is that kind of petty? Probably. Do I care? Not particularly, especially considering that Merriam-Webster has increasingly changed definitions or started using expanding examples that align with either government or leftist agenda. And if you don't believe me, go check out the definitions such as anti-vaxxer, boy, girl, male, female, colorblind. They've all been updated recently, probably in the last two years. Now, if you think that misogyny is simply defined as the hatred of women, aversion to women, or um, prejudice against women, you would be correct. That's exactly how it's defined in Merriam-Webster. However, what I find interesting are the examples that Merriam-Webster uses. You know how every dictionary has a example of how to use a word in a sentence? The examples that Merriam-Webster has put in their updates are very telling. Here's an example that Merriam-Webster gives of how you can use misogyny in a sentence. It is actually a quote. Uh, quote, a mission to expose the common cord that nourishes capitalism, misogyny, classism, and fat hatred. That's a quote from Anastasia Higginbotham, who wrote a book about sex for kids that stresses sex positivity. Then there is the word misogynistic. In Merriam-Webster, the original example that was given for misogynistic was an example of a rapper's song. However, that was removed because we don't really want to have any association of misogyny with rap music. And in its place um, was instead references to university clubs, society, or how it is at a systemic level. They also threw in there uh, the criticism of the reboot of Ghostbusters that was an all-female cast, insinuating that the negative reviews were due to misogyny, not because it was a really bad movie, which I can say because I saw the movie and it was not good. As you can see from the examples that are given for these words. It's now more about a system or a culture that is misogynistic. It's not really a focus on an individual that has misogynistic feelings towards women. So the idea of this is to condition you or to think that misogyny is woven within the fabrics of our society. And because of that, it can't necessarily be undone. And we must deconstruct it or in fact, completely just burn it down. Agreeing that misogyny is everywhere is a requirement in order for you to unconsciously internalize misogyny. Remember, according to them, we are living in a system that is rooted and created in order to benefit men, which in turn means that it's a system that oppresses women. This is a very Marxist perspective. It is an oppressor versus oppressed mentality. And the systems that are commonly targeted are anything that are traditional or heteronormative. Again, conditioning you to believe that anything that is traditional or heteronormative is bad oppressive and against a woman's interests. If a woman participates in these traditional values or roles, she is in sense practicing and perpetuating misogyny. I mean, how many times have you heard or how often have you heard, I just can't deal with these women that uh, vote 
or make choices against their own interests. Again, assuming that you or I are just too stupid or incapable to understand what our best interests are. In other words, if you continue to follow the status quo, you are unconsciously internalizing misogyny. Now, call me crazy, but I feel that this is manipulation. To make you feel guilty to continue any kind of traditional values or traditional path in life, because anything that is traditional was created in order to keep a misogynistic oppressive system in place. Traditionalism is always bad and progressive is always good, as if progressive movements have never ended badly. Of course, it is true that historically women were forced into roles and did not have the freedom to choose their own paths. I mean, I do consume history. I am fully aware this is a fact. Are we expected to believe that this is still the case, that women are still an oppressed class, even though today we are the most educated, most employed, most financially stable, not to mention that women are their primary influence in culture and have the primary purchasing power in the home. But women are constantly getting the message that if they are not continuing to work towards or actively dismantle misogyny, they are contributing to a system of oppression. This conditions women to feel guilty if they participate in anything that aligns with any traditional values or interests. And if you are happy in these traditional roles, you unconsciously hate yourself and suffer from internalized misogyny because you're skipping along in a system of traditionalism created to benefit men. This ideology essentially tells women that if you are not with me, you are against me. And if you are against me, it's because you hate yourself. And even if you think that you don't, it's because you don't know it. I mean, when you really get down to it, the entire thing is incredibly manipulative, disempowering, abusive, and it strips women of individual freedom, autonomy, and thought. So what does internalized misogyny look like? It, it depends who you ask. If you ask the left, today's media and culture, it appears to be a woman, an adult human female, that embraces traditional roles between herself and her husband. It gets worse if she chooses to stay home and have children. And if she even makes an effort to be attractive, fit, and healthy, well, you might as well burn her at the stake because people will just freak out sometimes. This is a generalization. And perhaps the stake burning, well, no, it actually is hyperbole. But there is a common thread. And the common thread is that any woman who embraces traditional gender roles in her home does so due to internalized misogyny, not because that's what she wants to do. Or I don't know, crazy thought, maybe that's it's because she likes it. Now, as I move forward in this discussion, I want to clarify who is the subject of this episode. I am talking about gender activists and ideologists who are actively working towards attempting to erase gender and the inherent differences between men and women. People who support the grooming of children or the gender confusion while keeping parents in the dark and also promoting either puberty blockers or medical intervention of children even before they're able to fully develop their prefrontal cortex and understand the ramifications of their choices? I am not talking about individuals who understand and accept that there are biological differences between men and women, but who have legitimate gender dysphoria and have chosen as adults to transition, fully understanding that they will never fully be the opposite sex. 
Here's the deal though. In order for a woman to truly internalize misogyny, we must also accept the lie that men and women are not inherently different. That all the interests and behaviors of men and women are a result of conditioning um, from society, a society that is built by men for men. We must also believe that human beings come into this world as a blank slate, and there is no intrinsically inherent masculine or feminine traits. We must erase the concept of gender and sex for that matter, because contrary to what the left will tell you, sex and gender are tied together. So if you attempt to erase one, you will inevitably erase the other, or at least try your darndest to do so. Gender activists will attempt to argue that gender and sex are separate. Sex is biology. It's simply what is between your legs or your chromosomal makeup. It has no connection whatsoever to gender. It also does not determine any inherent difference between men and women. Think of it this way. Sex is two cars stripped down to their frame and their engine. Car one's frame is curvy and it has a V6 engine. Car 2's frame is big and boxy, and it has a V8 engine. Gender is what's on the outside. So on the outside of these cars, you can pick whatever color, interior, all kinds of details. And it is how the car presents on the outside that determines what kind of car it is. Gender activists will argue that sex, in this case, the fact that one car is a V8 and the other car is a V6, is completely irrelevant, that they're still the same and will perform the same if they're taught early on that they're no different, because what is on the outside is what determines its true self. But if that were true, then there would be no need for cross-sex hormones, and hormones would have no effect on appearance or behavior. I mean, if you take just a moment to think about it, the entire argument completely crumbles, because As molecular biologists said, sex is biological. It is a process that determines gender. The biological differences between men and women are objectively true. And in order for this blank slate principle to work, it would require the majority of people to go against themselves, their own interests, and their natural instincts. Ever since the rise of second wave feminism, we've seen an escalation of encouraging women to be less like women and to behave more like men. We tell them, get the corner office, be a boss babe, sleep with Tom, Dick, and Harry, that their value is in prestige and money and to not waste their time on being a wife or a mother, because that's a waste of their potential. Women are not a monolith. There's no perfect formula that determines what a woman will like or how they will behave or even choose to do with their life. What is important is that the women have a choice. They have the liberty to choose. However, biological differences are a fact. These differences lead the majority of women to choose professions that are more about interpersonal relationships, such as a nurse, a teacher, Um, maybe even a pediatrician, the HR department, it's full of women, and even a stay-at-home mother. Even the famed French feminist Simone de Beauvoir, which I might be butchering, forgive me, acknowledged that working outside the home is not in the nature of most women. In a conversation in 1975 that she had with Betty Fernand, which was another feminist from the 1970s, she said, quote, 
No, we do not believe that any woman should have this choice. No woman should be authorized to stay at home to raise her children. Society should be totally different. Women should not have the choice precisely because if there is such a choice, too many women will make that one. It is a way of forcing women in a certain direction. De Beauvoir believed that we must use force, the government, to make women do what she believed is in the best interests of the group. And this made me wonder, does Simone suffer from internalized misogyny? Does she hate women so much that she advocated for them to be forced into a societal role because she was resentful of the role that women would naturally choose? I mean, it's a thought. And then it leads me to wonder, is that what we're seeing today, an escalation of Simone and others' own internalized misogyny? Today's modern feminists advocate for the total erasure of gender and minimize women to terms of birthing people and cervix owners. All pregnant and birthing people deserve to be treated with love. Health equity for black birthing people is attainable. Birthing people. For birthing people. Black birthing people. And our black birthing persons. For all birthing persons in Louisiana. Why? Why do they do this? I wonder if, do they hate themselves? Is it perhaps because they, in fact, suffer from internalized misogyny? Do you see men as having freedom and women being betrayed by their own biology? This leads me to consider that true internalized misogyny is in women who promote and advocate for the erasure of gender and sex. Because if you didn't hate yourself, then why would you be working so hard to completely and actively eliminate women or the concept of woman? Instance after instance, all we see is culture teaching women to hate themselves. And it's all under the guise of empowerment, tolerance, diversity, acceptance, and affirmation. Instead of acknowledging to young women that, yes, children are difficult, they are challenging, but also reassuring them that children can be a joy and a blessing, we tell them that motherhood is a detriment to their happiness and that they'll only find true fulfillment if they are working outside the home. We tell them that motherhood can wait, but a profession cannot, a memo that ovaries and biology has yet to receive. Instead of teaching young women to value themselves and their bodies and to gatekeep who they show their body to or who they sleep with, society fools them into thinking that they are empowered by objectifying themselves and sleeping around. Instead of a culture that acknowledges to young girls who are entering puberty that yes, your body is changing, it makes you uncomfortable, it feels kind of weird, but that's okay, that's normal, it's going to be kind of awesome down the road. We're telling them that if you feel weird and you don't like to wear a dress, that perhaps you're non-binary or a boy, either which merits the removal of healthy breast tissue and in some cases leads to gender-affirming hysterectomies, which is sounds like a nightmare. And they'll call it gender-affirming care, but I will not participate in that new speak And I'm going to call it what it is. It's mutilation. And speaking of breasts, just a side note, can we stop with the whole chest feeding crap? I mean, it's a fact that you need mammary glands, ducts, and nipples in order to feed a child, not to mention the hormone prolactin in order to lactate so you can feed an infant. Those are literally the definition of breast. So I don't understand. I mean, if you have the capability to breastfeed, it is because you have breasts. 
I don't understand what Orwellian dimension we are living in right now that we just completely ignore definitions or redefine things in some subjective idea. Why are we being taught to hate ourselves? What makes so many women participate in this idea of erasing gender and stifling traits and abilities that are uniquely female, devaluing themselves and mutilating themselves? There has been a shocking increase of young girls having double mastectomies, and ever since the overturning of Roe, young women seeking to be sterilized. Some will say that this is because we are more accepting of trans individuals, although at the same time, they'll tell you that it's extremely dangerous to be trans. And then it's women are seeking to be sterilized because otherwise they run the risk of forced birth. But I call BS on this whole thing, honestly. I'm starting to believe that this is all a reaction to years of feminism telling them that womanhood and motherhood are essentially their bodies betraying their own self-interest. Between 2016 and 2017, the number of gender reassignment surgeries for girls in the United States quadrupled, with females suddenly accounting for 70% of such operations. Not only have the rates of these girls claiming trans identification risen dramatically in the United States, but it's happened throughout the West. And teen girls are now the leading demographic of those claiming to have gender dysphoria. At the UK's Travistock National Gender Clinic, the number of teen girls presenting for gender treatment was up 4,400%. A clinic, by the way, that has recently been shut down and is being investigated for overdiagnosis. In 2007, there was only one gender clinic in the United States. Now there's over 50, and many of which are prescribing testosterone to girls on their first visit on an informed consent basis, not requiring any sort of referral or therapy. It's gotten to the point that young women can't even define what a woman is. If you go to any college campus and you ask, what is a woman? You'll get a very drawn out, subjective explanation of what a woman is. And it will inevitably end with, well, if you feel like a woman, then you're a woman. It's one thing to internalize misogyny to the detriment of yourself, but it's a whole other issue if you are doing it to the point where it's a danger to others. Culture is brainwashing young girls into mutilating their bodies and using fear and emotional manipulation to get parental consent, especially mothers who their empathy is being used against them along with the fear of ending up with a dead child. And then we have fathers that are just too weak to stand as the first line of defense between this insidious ideology and their family. And then we have men increasingly being allowed into women's spaces and women's sports, all for the sake of inclusion and tolerance, never mind that it's at the cost of women's opportunity, well-being, and safety. Recently, it was reported that a man who identifies as a woman was moved out of a women's prison facility in New Jersey because he had impregnated two women. New Jersey Advanced Media reported that the prison houses 27 transgender inmates who are all biological males identifying as women. And they were transferred to the facility beginning in 2019, following a lawsuit filed by the ACLU and a transgender woman who complained that they were suffering abuse in the men's prison. Biological women at the New Jersey prison facility have complained about feeling threatened and being harassed by transgender inmates, but their complaints have 
basically been ignored because since this lawsuit, men who identify as women are now allowed to be housed in women's prison facilities and they're not required to have any kind of surgery or, if I'm mistaken, have any kind of treatment. Last year, a transgender prisoner who was jailed at Rikers Island raped a female prisoner and ultimately pled guilty to attempted rape and got seven years. Also last year, MyNorthwest.com reported that a transgender inmate allegedly raped a developmentally disabled woman while both were being confined behind bars at the Washington State Correction Center for Women. A transgender cheerleader who is a biological male was criminally charged last month for allegedly choking a female teammate at a cheerleading camp. The incident occurred at the Ranger College in Texas after the female teammate, allegedly called Avery Chanel Medlock, a man, and said that Medlock should not be on the team. So Medlock choked his teammate. It seems like something that a a woman would typically do. In Washington State, an 80-year-old woman by the name of Julie Jaman, I believe, was banned from a pool and called a bigot because she reported that there was a man in the women's changing area. Jaman said, quote, while I was showering on Tuesday, I heard a man's voice and I looked over toward the two toilets that are in the dressing area. And there was a man in a woman's bathing suit watching four or five little girls take off their suits in order to use the toilets. She then confronted the man and asked, do you have a penis? And he responded, that is none of your business. And then she yelled at him to get out of the women's bathroom. Shortly thereafter, a staff member informed her that she was being discriminatory, that she was a bigot, and now that she was banned from the facility. Last year, a video went viral for a similar incident where a man who identified as a woman entered the women's area of Wee Spa in Los Angeles. This is one of these spas where there are nude areas that are gender specific. He entered the woman and girls area completely nude, fully intact, and exposed himself to women and underage children. The video went viral when a mother complained to the staff, and then the staff said that he was within his right because of his orientation. It's okay. It's okay for a man to go into the women's section, show his penis around the other women, young little girls under age. Your spa, we spa, condone that. Is that what you're saying? Like I asked. It's so he so he can stay there. He can stay there. What sexual orientation? I see a. It lets me know he's a man. He he's a man. He is a man. He is not no female. He is not a female. He is not a female. He is not a female, sweetie. Okay, girls down there, other women who are highly offended for what they just saw. And you did nothing, absolutely nothing. In fact, you sided with him. So we spa is an agreement with men that just say they are a woman and they can go down there with their penis and get into the women's section. Turns out that the man is a registered sex offender in California and had two prior convictions of indecent exposure and that he identifies as a woman in order to gain access to women-only areas. This was what was reported by law enforcement. Not my assumption. It's what he does.
The fact is, feminism and culture sees womanhood as a state of oppression. We're taught to hate ourselves, so much so that we are encouraged to put women at risk in order to make men feel comfortable, mutilate the bodies of young women, promote the objectification of women, and tell women that there is more value outside the home than there is being a mother. Call me crazy, but this all leads me to conclude that the true internalized misogyny is in those who promote the erasure of women, who are looking to eliminate everything that is beautiful and unique about women, and are completely comfortable with replacing women with men. Thanks for listening. And if you could do me a quick favor and leave a five-star review with a comment, that would be awesome. It helps other people discover the podcast. And if you want to stay connected, join my email list. There is a link in the show notes, or you can also join the Locals community at itsmercedes.locals.com to be notified of new episodes of this consistently inconsistent podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at itsmercedes.